Hi, this is Midwesteration, and I'm Freya Vernson. In this episode, I interview Rena Ramos, the Advancement Coordinator for Acres Land Trust. We met at one of their Allen County, Indiana preserves, Bogwell Forest, a 61.5-acre area that is open to the public with a trail winding through prairie and hardwood forest. This preserve is southwest of Fort Wayne, Indiana, right next to Interstate 69. So you will hear some traffic sounds, but as with other preserves so close to urban areas, once there, you might not even notice the sound. With that, let's go ahead and get started with my interview with Rena. Okay, we are recording and I am standing at Bogwell Forest Nature Preserve with Rena Ramos of Acres uh, Land Trust and uh, I'm going to start out by just asking Rena to kind of talk about who she is and what she does and how she's connected to this site. Yeah, yeah, who, who I am, that is always always the question. Um, I was born in New Mexico and I lived in Pennsylvania and I spent actually most of my childhood and growing up in Indiana. So um, it was definitely a place I came into thinking like, okay, all I see is cornfields. It's flat. There's not much going on here. Um, and as I grew up here and we visited more county parks and state parks and we found out about Acres Land Trust and the preserves, I realized that we really do have beautiful areas um, in in Indiana, even in northeastern Indiana. So uh, I'm really, really big into hiking and outdoor activities. I love kayaking. Um, I love traveling. I've visited quite a few countries around the world, I'm always doing outdoor stuff. Uh, so definitely an outdoorsy person. And I uh, first got connected with Acres Land Trust when I was an intern in college. I was an invasive species. Well, I guess it was a land restoration intern. Um, we did a lot of invasive species management, and I did that for um, about two and a half summers with them during college. Uh, and I found a position that popped up after I graduated for outreach manager, which is kind of wanted I, what I wanted to go into. Originally, I wanted to be an interpretive national park ranger, and the park system is hard to hard to get into so I was like hey this is perfect it's local I get to help give back to the local land um and yeah so I that's how I got connected with acres uh and ever since I've been trying to hike every property and just appreciating that we really do have diverse and beautiful habitats here nice yeah Mm -hmm. and acres has um what did they just surpass acreage wise acreage wise it's uh, so we're at like 7,230. Nice. So we just we recently passed that 7,000 um, acreage, which is really, really exciting. We just got our first Michigan property. So our service area is northeast Indiana, and then we go countywide into Michigan and Ohio. Awesome. Um, so just got our first Michigan property, so super excited for that. But, yeah, it's amazing to protect uh, that many acres in the area. It's not actually that much when you look at it on a map, but, like, we're hoping to make that green space visible someday. Yeah. Now that's awesome. And the site that we're at, Fogwell, is roughly 64 acres. Yes. Of, yeah. Of it's around. 7, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so. I think about 64. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting one because it's got this field habitat uh, with the tree planting that used to be what it used to been farmed. Uh, we have grassland here, and then you wake your way back into a forested area. And we're right up against. Um, Highway 69 here, so you can 
hear the traffic. It's it's not really an urban preserve, but it kind of almost feels that way because of the traffic. But it's a really awesome spot to see um, different habitat, especially different birds. Mm -hmm. Like we've got a lot of hawks up along the line and birds of prey that come out here um, and feed. So yeah, it's a really it's a popular. Uh, property too. A lot of people coming from Fort Wayne to visit it out here. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we are only 20 minutes from downtown Fort Wayne yeah. and uh, just to be able to stand in the middle of a tall grass prairie right next to um, a pretty well-established mm -hmm. forest is is nice. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a neat, neat area. And uh, yeah, so with your your history with acres mm -hmm. um what um what kind of work did you work on here per se at this preserve mm -hmm. so as an intern uh when i was in land management that's when i was doing most of my hands-on uh restoration uh i would have definitely sprayed invasive species that was the biggest part i think of what we did um knowing that our invasive species problem is really out of control oftentimes we're treating bush honeysuckle and autumn olive and then there's a few others like multifloral rose so we would have gone through here with our backpacks um, on transects and would have sprayed whatever we saw um, and that's what we do during the growing season and then after after the internships are done after summer um, our land management crew of three would come back out during the winter and make sure things are cut down and they'll spray again if or spray the uh, stump spray if needed um, but yeah what I would have done here for the mate most part would have been invasive species um, removal yeah nice yeah and yeah like w while we were walking in you mentioned that you saw some honeysuckle and stuff and mm -hmm. and I can see it looks, I mean, a lot of it in the woods even still has its green leaves right now. So yeah. this stuff is, is some of that uh, that they'll be taking care of mm -hmm. probably later this winter. Yes, yeah, they will. Um, and I did walk back here at the last end of this like little growing season, and a lot of it was dead. So that's exciting. Um, it's exciting to see it <laughs> finally yeah. dying, hopefully. Yeah, yeah nice. Mm -hmm. So I know, I mean... The, the eastern red cedar is, is a native. Do you guys do any work on, on knocking those back? I know they can kind of get problematic in, in the prairies. Yeah, we haven't so far because I don't think, we don't have any huge, from my understanding, I haven't seen any huge problems with them yet. But it's something that we would consider mm -hmm. if it got out of hand. Um, there's a few natives like that where it's, they almost act invasive mm -hmm. in their nature and it is very difficult because you're like well they're a native species what do we really do here um but if, if something were to happen like that like something overtaking we would definitely look into some different management practices nice. yeah cool. yeah there's a few of them out here i'm looking now mm -hmm. so in addition to the the invasive species um herbicide work uh here do you guys uh use prescribed burns in this prairie? This one in particular, I'm not 100% sure, but we do use prescribed burns. Um, and we actually, really exciting, we just got our own gear to burn. Normally we've been contracting that out to, um, I think it's Blue Heron Ministries mm -hmm. uh, and a few other groups that help us. Um, I know for sure we burn at places like uh, Wing Haven. But we have our own gear now. It's so exciting. I love prescribed burns. Uh, my professor in college like my main professor when I was in college was a prairie specialist and savannah specialist so really into that um, so 
So yeah, this is this would be a spot that would be a good candidate for it. Uh, I know that there's so many different weird permitting because there's the house. We're actually mm -hmm. really close to kind of a housing addition right here, and fairly close to the highway too. Um, but yeah, we have our own gear, so this is one that probably we either are currently burning or we would look into that. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is a, this is a neat site. I've, I've been here at least once before in the spring and it's, it's yeah. a, a really cool example of just a, a very nice green space and, it, and yeah, it is. Um, and, and as you know, though, the problem with a field, like I love prairie and I love field, but that is, it's inviting very inviting for invasive species yeah <laughs> um that open resource of sun sun is a great resource um for those for those invasives uh so this place yeah is one that we definitely have to manage a little bit more these open field kind of preserves exactly um, yeah and then I know you you had talked about um, when we were when we were discussing which site to visit mm -hmm. um, that there was a tree planting done here. Yeah. Uh, what uh, what was the overall uh, management goal with that? Yeah. So we're actually kind of shifting a little bit, but. Um, originally, I believe that this was a field, or it was a timbered field. Um, I'm not remembering exactly what it was. So normally, when we have a field, we just we don't want those invasives to grow up. So we're immediately popping in trees um, and hoping that it'll grow up into a forest. And what's fun for people that hike this often is they'll get to see those different stages till it reaches a mature forest. We are shifting into probably doing grassland first so we do we do have a grass mix in here but mm -hmm. this wouldn't have been what was originally planted we would have planted those trees and then maybe laid over grass um, a really cool new management practice that we're going to try is uh, laying out a grassland or a prairie first letting that establish for 5, 10, 20 years, and then trying to plant trees um, and seeing if there's a better success rate. Uh, you know, those prairies are putting nutrients back into the soil. There's carbon being recycled. Uh, they're helping that microbe community build back up because this would have been really depleted soil. Uh, so that is that is really exciting. But this would have been one of the original ones where we just popped trees in, uh -huh. um, restoring forest. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, neat. Mm -hmm. Cool. So... Yeah. Um, would you like to, to wander down the the path here yeah. a little bit and see what we? Yeah. And I will say earlier this uh, earlier this what was earlier this fall we did do our first ever seed collection work day here. I think we've done maybe a few in the past, but we're hoping to make this an annual one. So we collected the um, uh, Indian grass seed, nice. which was really exciting. We collected I think about 50 pounds. And getting that seed uh, locally, I think it retails pretty high. It's like at least, man, I feel like it's $16 a pound. So we collected like over $800 worth of seed, which is super awesome. Um, so it's really cool that we got to get volunteers involved mm -hmm. with restoration. Um, we, we often do volunteer work days where we remove invasive species uh, and work on other like tree plantings and stuff like that but the seed collection one was really fun because it's the first time we've done that in a long time so yeah and then those seeds are going to be used locally at another property that's close to the public in Allen County so we're trying to keep those local genotypes and those local seed 
uh, right back into this this county, this area. Oh, that's awesome! And uh, yeah, and volunteer the volunteer aspect of Acres is kind of under your purview these days. Correct? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. So that's that's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Yep, we're hoping to make some more annual kind of more restoration-y work days. Um, we're going to have garlic mustard removal work days now this spring and then doing the seed collection in the fall and then in between they're hopefully doing more of the woody stuff um, like the honeysuckle. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, no, and you can you can see actually looking out at the Indian grass uh, uh, seed heads how they've been yes. gleaned well, <laughs> no, it's very thoroughly. That, yeah, <laughs> crazy to look at that, yeah. No, yeah, that's that's really cool that you're able to utilize the resources that you have yeah because yeah just resources in 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 all aspects are such a limiting aspect of of a lot of these restoration projects and uh so i know there's a multi layers of of good with with just being able to to do that yeah (laughs) Um, kind of like recycling it back into the system locally i don't know yeah Yeah. using what we've got Mm mm-hmm yeah, restoration is not a cheap or easy <laughs> practice. <laughs> no, yeah, like you were saying, the the price of native seeds are yeah. some are you know worth more than their weight in gold. Yes, um, or or they all are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really though. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we do any nothing much with animals as far as I mean we allow hunting. I know deer aren't invasive, but like as mm-hmm. far as restoration goes. We, um, depending on donor intent, when we uh, acquire a property, we can allow hunting. Oftentimes, it's the donor saying, like, okay, I want my family to be able to hunt here for X amount of years, or I want them to, this family friend to be able to use this property during that deer season. And oftentimes, these are properties close to the public, um, but that could be another form of restoration in that. We're helping to control that deer population. We are in no ways anti-hunter or anti-controlling um, animal populations. Um, deer are very detrimental, especially to our new tree plantings yeah. and to uh, keeping our forest healthy. Um, I wish that they would just eat invasive species, but sadly <laughs> they don't. <laughs> so, yeah, we um, kind of a roundabout way of supporting our local uh, forest is by controlling that deer population because they have no natural predators here anymore just really sad so it kind of is up to humans almost to at this point control control that population yeah I mean just I'm, I'm glad you brought the deer yeah thing up because that's that's just another aspect of you know we we tried to do all this work to to restore the the native plant communities but you I mean the wildlife are just an inherent part mm-hmm. of it you can't like do it without considering the effects of of either the overpopulation of deer in some areas or you know trying to restore it for the you know short-eared owls or or other things definitely I think animals are yeah I think a lot of restoration I always hearing plants 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 but there are some different yeah aspects for animals to consider too um yeah so yeah and that's another thing with acres um you all uh a lot of the land that you take care of is is donated to the yeah, organization. So definitely. As far as like just how how these areas come to be under your mm-hmm. under your care. Um, 
and then then this is no no exception to that mm-hmm. rule right yes nearly all of our properties are donation whether it's a full donation or a partial donation oh um nearly all of them are very rarely when we see a habitat that is just really pristine or really amazing and we just feel like there won't be another chance to acquire that property we will um, pay in full and we work with the DNR and other partner organizations um, to acquire places like that Um, but very rarely a lot of times we're depending on donors who want to protect those places that they feel are special and they feel like they want to keep in a natural state uh, forever so um, and then donors, donors, uh, we have we have a few agreements we make with donors. Like we will always protect that land forever, and our goal is to care for that land too. Um, and that includes restoration and invasive species removal. Um, and then donors can also help guide whether they want that property to be uh, closed forever. If they want to be able to allow research, if they want to be able to allow hunting, for example, if they want to be able to. Uh, encourage us to open that to the public for trails Um, so yeah it's a lot of working with donors Um, and what's awesome about the donors is they're so connected to the place uh, that they can tell us about the species composition there they can they know what's growing where and they know about how this looks at different points in the season and so they do become a great um, tactic while we're looking to restore different places because they're they're there and they they know what what needs to happen or they've already begun restoration work which is really really awesome um yeah so our, our donor we work really close with their donors and we appreciate everything that they do to to protect these places and that's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> but yeah just uh the whole um the whole operation of acres is is a really really neat neat thing um yeah, so we're we've been walking through the tall grass prairie. We're getting into some uh gray dogwood thickets mm-hmm. right now. Just some natural, like normal native communities mm-hmm. here and as a example of what we're what we're looking at. There really aren't too many obvious invasive plants. At least at this time. Mm-hmm. Calorie pear right next to us. Yeah, we're hoping these succe- early successional trees are starting to get in there before these invasives do. And again, we'll continue to manage this for years to come. So um, I think some people do go to properties and they're alarmed um, by the amount of vases they see, but we are continually working on it. Like they have year long plans, our land management crew. Uh, we depend on interns in the summer. We depend on volunteers during work days. Uh, so it's, it's a never ending ongoing process of trying to fight these invasive species. Um, but each property is cared for and each property has a plan, um, to, to remove. And someday, I really hope someday to see not see them pop up at all Uh, (laughs) we definitely have some properties that are looking amazing where we we haven't seen invasives um, popping up and there's lots of local native communities being restored Um, but there's always that chance of something popping back up Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so we always are encouraging people to do invasive removal or um, other different restoration practices on their own property Um, because 
one of the one of the ways those invasive spread is from landscaping plants or plants mm -hmm. people have on their property and maybe they maybe they don't even know um, what they've got there and if they can if they can manage that then it in turn helps us so we do do a few work days where we do invasive species identification and um, we show people how to prune or how to remove safely um, just to encourage encourage our neighbors to step up to the plate and start to manage nice mm -hmm. yeah I mean, that's such an important part to just sharing that information because, I mean, that's how the problem got started in the first place, yeah. ultimately, is just not knowing, mm -hmm. you know, driving down the city street and seeing flowering pears yeah. still being planted. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it was it was interesting. So I my very first year of college, I got into the internship program. I was super excited. Um, and then again, I did it my second year. And I um, filled in about half a year for that for that third year. So again, it was about two and a half years total. Uh, it was really awesome to put in that work the first year because it is it is hard work. I mean, you're carrying like a backpack that um, is over 20 pounds, probably like 30 or 40 pounds. Um, you're hiking on uneven terrain. You're getting into brambles and like even right now we're looking out at all this little. Um, dogwood thickets like that's a pain in the butt to try to make your way through <laughs> yes. um so putting in that really hard work uh and then coming back that second year and even that part of the third year I um it, it was really awesome to see stuff dying <laughs> to, see, <laughs> to see things actually working yes. uh to feel like you were actually doing something uh there's a few areas too where we were able to see some different species pop popping up or some baby oaks were coming up or something like that and it just it's it's it makes it all worth it when you finally see those results even if they take a few years mm -hmm. um and so now that it's it's been a while since that internship and I pop back out into a property and I'm like wow this is just this is what we worked on like I remember walking this and it's amazing that it's not a whole wall of autumn olive for example it's it's an open field now or oh there's the new trees or something yeah something like that it's it's really really hard work but also very rewarding over time yeah mm -hmm. no, that's that's definitely it um in in a nutshell just the whole the time aspect of it too this is it's not really a instant gratification but it's definitely lots of gratification ultimately mm -hmm. definitely yeah yeah so even though I don't directly work with that anymore I still see the results and I'm still involved of course in the work days and stuff like that so it's still really awesome to be a part of that um a part of that yeah yeah no and I mean positions like yours are absolutely necessary mm -hmm. within organizations that do do this sort of thing because you are organizing and leading volunteers in the field and yeah. and uh getting getting the word out and, yeah um so it's it's definitely a, a team effort mm -hmm. yeah awareness is a big a big part and that's what we're advancing the mission that's a part of the advancement team that i'm on um a lot of people don't know that we're even around some of the people that have lived here for a really long time so we're really we're working hard these next few years especially to 
get the word out um, and encourage people to join as a member, knowing that whatever they decide to donate for their membership will go back into restoration, will go back into protection. Um, yeah, it's that's a never-ending job too, is, <laughs> is education in that sense of sharing our mission and advancing advancing our projects and our preserves and what we do. So, I guess one one question that I like to ask people um, in this, because of your background in restoration and uh, your your unique perspective on it, what what is ecological restoration? like to you as a as a person what does it mean to you I I think it's doing our part to help the natural area that we've hurt I don't know if that's a little too cliche or vague (laughs) but restoring areas restoring an ecosystem restoring a habitat um, that has changed drastically and in a negative way because of steps that we've taken as humans, like again bringing in uh, an invasive species to be part of my landscaping. Um, and again, it's not always that people knew what they were doing was right or wrong. A lot of times people had no idea, um, but it's now up to us to, to try to fix that problem that we're seeing like we want to be able to provide that habitat that native habitat for these species it's not fair that one simple action that we did causes widespread environmental destruction so I don't know I restoration is a way for us to to set it right I guess and to give back give back to the land um, that's served people for thousands and thousands of years so um, and the more uh, we take care of the land, and the better we treat the land, uh, the better it's going to treat us. And we're going to, sounds bad, but we're going to benefit from that, from ecosystem services. Um, and even for our mental health and our physical health and our spirituality, whatever it is uh, that you're, you're interested in, you're going to better benefit from that. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful answer. Yeah. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess more along that lines, I I personally believe that the species living in our local ecosystems and habitats uh, deserve the chance to do what they do, deserve the chance of life deserve a chance to um, function and to go through their natural system. So restoration also is helping provide them that, I don't even want to say chance or their opportunity, that right for doing what they do, that right to live, that right to to function. So um, I guess on a deeper sense, that restoration is helping, helping everybody have a fair chance at, at life and living and (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 
you know, we're so disconnected from the natural world and a lot of aspects of our lives and, um, you know, even as as humans and uh, just being able to, to give back to either wildlife and plants and then offering that as a as a resource for people to to then reconnect if they can mm-hmm. um, or at least having the opportunity and then all the other benefits that that come from from just having these natural areas yeah oh for sure for sure and it's it's a benefit for our future selves if we do the work now we put in that hard work now um whether it's me or it's it's kids or whoever it is, those futures will benefit um, because of what we're doing. We're putting in the in the manual labor now um, so that there's a bright future for both the species and the habitat and and the human human race, yeah. And all it takes is lugging around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 30 to 40 pounds yes. of liquid <laughs> for, on your back for 10 hours. Uphill <laughs> <laughs> both ways. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could talk about the road too um, as we're approaching it. Yeah. It is super loud. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't always know where we're going to acquire properties. Again, it's a lot of donations. Uh, and sometimes they end up that they're a little more urban-y. Um, this one's interesting because it's kind of beside a little housing addition and so it doesn't feel super urban because um, there is forest and stuff surrounding but we are right beside um, the highway and we can hear the cars as we're, as we're walking here um, and it is, it's a great reminder that like wow this, this is a beautiful field and like a beautiful forest and we just saw a cardinal earlier and there's all of these animals that call this place home even though they're right beside, um, right beside a big old road, um, and there's human impact, they're 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 still such beautiful places. Um, even if all you're looking at is that road there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's definitely you know, give, given the chance, life will will do its thing. Yeah. We just need to give it that chance. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, and. That we're, this this area is probably uh, even providing us with an ecosystem service. All of that water running off of that hard highway surface is probably coming into this field right here and getting filtered um, and put back into the groundwater um, safely because it's, it's filtering out all of the the gross chemicals that are on that on that highway. So yeah. indirectly, a lot of people might not be aware that we're benefiting <laughs> benefiting from natural space right beside parking lots right beside shopping centers right beside roads um, whatever it may be absolutely yeah mm-hmm. wow. now that's a that is a really good point just that you know we we need these spaces next next to us mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whether they're, you know, 60 acres or 100 acres or 1,000 acres or, you know, your front yard, mm-hmm. um, they they all add up and, and help. Certainly. Yeah. 
I didn't realize that it was that close. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very close. We're, like, walking parallel to it. Yeah. Um, what are yeah. we, about 200 yards, mm-hmm. maybe, from yep. the highway? I would say about that. <laughs> I know, and it's, it's crazy, and we also hope for people's both physical and mental health too. Maybe they're driving along and they see when this is flowering, they see fields of goldenrod and fields of aster. Um, Maybe they're stopping and they're taking a walk. Maybe they're going into Fort Wayne um, for work or maybe they're coming back on their lunch break or whatever it is. We're hoping people are stopping here and walking and appreciating um, that Indiana really is beautiful when we take care of it, when we allow, when we allow it to do its thing. It's, it provides us with a really beautiful um, area and a resource and an ecosystem service, all the different the different things. Yeah. Yeah, and your your perspective, especially um, having experienced beautiful places like New Mexico, yes, <laughs> like yes. um, being able to appreciate Northeast Indiana and mm-hmm. and the Midwest in general is is awesome because. New Mexico is amazing. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, my parents would take us uh, on vacations instead of going to like an amusement park or something like that. We hit up national parks. Um, so, such an instrumental part of my childhood. I really owe a lot of my uh, love for nature and inspiration for pursuing a career in environmental science to my parents. Um, but we, we were always traveling away for that stuff. We would go down south, or we'd go out west, or we'd go to the east coast, um, which has, they all have amazing parks. Um, and it wasn't actually till like, college, when I, I went to college locally, Goshen College, uh, we, where we did so much work locally for environmental science that I was like, holy cow, I really underestimated how unique and amazing and beautiful our, our local habitats are and our local preserves and I found some really awesome places to hike both with acres and both with our state and county parks um, and other groups like Little River Wetlands have some awesome trails yeah it's it, it was kind of like a I don't want to say coming of age but it was like <laughs> when I first realized like wow we we need to protect land everywhere not just not just out west because it's beautiful. We yeah. need to protect it here too. It can it can be beautiful here too, um, and it helps. It does help create that local tourism. Like instead of traveling all the way to Yellowstone National Park, maybe people will travel to Indiana um, and experience the trails here and appreciate them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or even during like current, you know circumstances having to we saw a huge increase in visitors for our preserves but it's 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 crazy how many people turn to nature Mm -hmm. um again for whatever reason maybe they just needed to get outside maybe they enjoy running maybe they just wanted to take the kids out but they needed a distance um so they turned to the trails uh we saw a huge influx of visitors um, and in turn, a lot of more people interested in protecting land too, which is great. Um, and we, we see Facebook posts where we're tagged in of people like, I didn't know this was back here. And like, holy cow, this, this reserve has a waterfall. Like, I didn't know Indiana had waterfalls and like ravines. We've got the Cedar Creek corridor, um, 
which is up up where we are in Huntertown and kind of goes along through DeKalb and it's, it's the largest forested uh, corridor in this section of Indiana and it's got huge ravines like we're talking like 75 foot ravines and it's just people seeing that for the first time um, especially during this pandemic um, it, was, it was awesome to connect with those those people and hear why they were so excited or like they didn't know it and hear their motivation for now wanting to protect protect land yeah that's awesome a little a little bit of good out of Definitely. out of such a dire situation mm -hmm. Yeah, so we are back in the forested area. Yeah. Um, and it is a pretty good, well-established forest. I think there's some bigger trees as we go back further. Um, but again, I love I love preserves that kind of have uh, a different habitat. Really interesting to see different species of plants and animals. And as I was saying earlier, birds of prey love this area because we've got that open highway over there and the open fields around. Um, makes really good hunting, hunting ground. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is a, a gorgeous forest mm -hmm. of hickory and oak and beech. Mm -hmm. A really cool place to see wildflowers, like you said, and yes. in the spring. Yeah. yeah. We love our wildflower displays, and we definitely talk them up and really encourage people to get out during the spring to see see wildfires. Um, and in the same sense, on the flip side, fall is a great time to get out and see leaves change in color. Yeah. Um, we have a lot, really big influx of visitors uh, during during uh, the leaf change in season. People looking for colors. Yeah. Um, something else cool we do, uh, you see us walking past these logs. So obviously some of these were cut to make room for the trail. Um, but because this is a nature preserve, we uh, allow things to fall where they fall and to do what they do. Um, so again, I'm not sure if that's another, wow, that corn is <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be there. That's okay. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that could also be another roundabout way of restoration is we're totally letting the forest do what it does best. We have the leaves down. We don't clear the trail of leaves like a um, city park might. We let we let uh, trees fall and we let them lie where they are. They become nurse logs and all of this is helping restore this really depleted soil that we have here in Indiana um, from years of farming and years of timbering. Uh, so it, it's, it's really great that we're, we're really hands off in the sense that we let nature do what it does um, besides stepping in a few different times to manage invasive species or to restore an area. Uh, but one of my favorite things about acres is we really try to be hands off as far as letting the ecosystem function how it normally would. Um, yeah. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. And this is a this is a really nice, healthy looking forest here. Yeah. Too, as presumably as a you know result of of your organization's care yeah and uh just very open understory yeah i know that's the first thing i'm looking at like okay so where's the bushy stuff like, yeah. is there anything bushy in my line of sight anything um 
looking a little crazy and invasive, but yeah, it's it's awesome to be able to, and I, th I think people do think of forests as being really like thickets and like bristles and like if you go in there everything's going to be touching your legs and you're going to get ticks and stuff, um, but as you're seeing a very healthy forest isn't going to have a lot of that invasive understory um, because we've got big adult trees that are taking up that resource, that light resource, not reaching this understory. Um, and there are there are plants that grow up in the understory, but just not they they can't be woody and invasive and taking over large areas. So yeah, it's very um, very motivating to see see this area yes. looking like this. Yeah, and I guess I could we could also talk about so we protect land uh, in three different categories, kind of like different tiers. Hmm. Um, so this is for sure a nature preserve, which means we let nature do what it does here. We're um, hands off besides caring for the land as far as restoration, um, and it's protected forever. We also have a different category um, called protected lands, and so that would be our working land, like our farm fields. We do have a few timber stands, um, and like for example, Asherwood Nature Preserve in Southern our southern uh, service area we do harvest maple syrup from some of the trees there we got a sugar bush stand so our working lands um, are also protected so we're not anti-farming we're not anti um, timber stands and stuff like that uh, and we do protect we I think we have about 500 acres of working land right now so yeah. a good portion um, we we do our best management practices there we work with farmers that are really interested in making sure that their farming practices are the best for the environment and then the eventual goal would be to restore that area um, but meanwhile it provides a really awesome extra income for us and we get to support our local farmers too um, so yeah it's, it's a lot of people don't know that we protect farmland they think we're very anti-farming um, but we actually employ farmers and and uh, help our community in that way. That's, yeah, I didn't I didn't know you guys did that. That's awesome. <laughs> we'll go straight, yeah. All right. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And then again, that eventual goal would be this will be a tree planting or this will be a, uh, a prairie or a tall grass field. Um, and some of them will stay open for or, or open to the public with trails and some of them will be closed forever for permanent protection. Yeah. We actually, I think, I think we're up to 117 properties, um, and right now it's like a little over a third of them are open to the public for hiking. A lot of people think we have all of our trails, like all of our properties are open, all of them have trails, and that's what we do. We're kind of like a trails group. We're offering, we're offering that uh, recreation service, and that is not, it's not all the way true. Trails is kind of like a secondary thing that we do, and our first mission is protecting land. So. The majority of our properties are closed, um, and it's it's great again that we let nature do its thing without impact from humans too. Um, we really try to do a hands off hands off approach on that. Um, but yeah, we're excited to to offer offer those protected places that are closed forever so that they can do what they do. That's perfect. Um, just the, I mean, the, 
the very varied approach to, to land protection and land management is is also like just a really important aspect of, of restoration and, and land protection mm -hmm. because like you can't you can't have everything the same. Like I yeah. don't know, there's there's diff different pieces require different approaches. Definitely. I guess is what I where I was going with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Definitely. Not a one size fits all yeah. type of yeah. activity. Yeah, <laughs> we have a manage a different management plan for each preserve or property that we have. Um, so once we acquire a place, we'll do, sometimes we do a botanical survey um, with local botanists or we'll send out our land management crew and they'll kind of survey and see, okay, so like this looks like a low area and this looks like, oh, this is a really nice forest. It's an old growth forest or whatever it is. Um, they'll take all that information in uh, and put, put it into um, our files so that we can archive it and then from there they're going to make a management plan what's the best way to care for this specific property with its specific needs or different it's different habitats whatever it is um yeah so each each property has a plan um, a lot of them end up looking the same like okay very hands-off but we're going to manage for invasive species is normally what it is but some of them again like we're hoping to plant grassland or we're hoping to do a tree planting in 2025, like kind of more goals like that. Or wow, there's a really large patch of Phragmites here. Maybe we need to manage for that. Or there's cattails here, gonna manage for that. Um, or we need to burn this, whatever it is, whatever the specific needs of the property. Um, but we do, we do take great care in making sure each place is cared for with its specific needs um, so that it can continue to thrive into the future, um, it continued to thrive forever. Is there anything that you would like to add as far as like, um, you know, your experience or anything that you think is like, like what is the most um, important thing or, or anything like that that you'd, you'd like to, like other people to know about um, ecological restoration or, or the work being done to, to protect natural areas yeah <laughs> I guess one of the most important things is that you can get involved so easily um, whether you're doing restoration in your own yard and planting pollinator friendly plants or you're removing invasive species uh, maybe you're attending work days that acres and other organizations like us in the area are hosting um, and helping to helping to remove species or seed collect or whatever it is um, it's just it's, it's something that everybody can do and there's so many different aspects of it uh, that you can get involved with. Some places have tree planting, some places you can help spread uh, prairie seed. There's just there's there's fun aspects and there's more grueling tasks like invasive removal. So um, lots of different ways to get involved. Uh, it's definitely not an exclusive uh, exclusive discipline just for those in environmental science. It's identification is a little bit difficult at first, but there's so many groups um, like us that are willing to help people learn about how to ID these species. So never be intimidated and feel free to uh, join us and join other groups in, in this effort of restoration. Nice. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that.
No, that's perfect. Um, well, Rena, I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to walk around Fogwell Forest and the prairie here in the snow. Um, it's you know it's a it's a balmy like 35 degrees out right now. Yes. So, yes. Um, good time to visit prairies. Yeah. And and look around and see stuff. But yeah. yeah. Thank well, you. thank you for having me on. Um, and again, if anybody is interested in learning more about Acres, please visit our website. It's just acreslandtrust.org. Um, and if you're really interested in protecting land or joining us in our restoration ef- restoration efforts, um, you can become a member for any donation of $20 or more. So just a small m- donation um, will help us protect thousands and thousands of acres and help us care for them. So, um, yeah, awesome. That's perfect. Thank Yay, you. Yay, thank you. I want to sincerely thank... Rena, for taking the time to walk around Fogwell Forest Nature Preserve with me and share the information that she did about Acres Land Trust. Acres is such a fantastic organization with many unique preserves. To learn more about Acres, you can find a link to their website, acreslandtrust.org, in the show description on my website for Midwesteration, midwesteration.com. While there, Feel free to peruse previous episodes of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and stay tuned for more episodes of Midwesteration coming in January of 2021. Thank you.